Welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Shriver. Today we're continuing a discussion we began last week about why the church exists. Here at Erie First, we exist to love, build, and send people with the gospel. But what does that really look like in today's culture? When we can search out any and every type of music or sermon or speaker that we like to listen to, when everything's available to us virtually 24-7, then why do we still need to be plugged into a church? Pastor Nicole is going to unpack that today and challenge us to reignite our burning hearts for what God desires for us. Let's get started today. Here's Pastor Nicole. Well, this month we are remembering why our church exists our mission, our focus. It's important for us to remember this so that we know uh, how we can stay focused and keeping our our impact strong. And so I want you to repeat these words after me. You ready? Love, build, send. Oh, someone knew it ahead of time. Love, build, send. Love, build, send. I, my prayer, my hope is that when people ask you where do you go to church, you say you're for assembly, what are they all about? You don't go, Jesus. You know, you say, we love, we build, we send for the kingdom of God, right? We love God and his people, build Jesus-centered lives, and send out spirit-led disciples. And so we're looking deeper into 1 Timothy 3 and 4 uh, this whole month, talking about what we believe, that what the scripture says, what church means, what church is designed uh, to be so that we can align ourselves with that. And so I want to encourage you in your, maybe your personal devotional time to be reading 1 Timothy 3 and 4. And this is a letter written by Paul to a guy named Timothy about how the church and its people should act and should live. Okay, that's what this letter is about. Now, the main point that I believe that Paul wanted to get across to Timothy and the congregation is really summed up in 1 Timothy 6, verses 11 through 12. I want to read you that this morning. It says this, but you, man of God, he's talking to Timothy, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And I think the summary of these chapters, of these verses are this, fight the good fight. Paul is saying to Timothy, listen, fight the good fight and teach the people in your congregation to fight the good fight. And you know what I love about that is that Paul is not saying it's going to be easy. Paul isn't saying, you know, just uh, your faith, you, you just, you know, keep Keep going through your faith. It's all going to be sunshine and and roses all the time. He uses that word fight because sometimes it's going to be a fight. Sometimes it's going to be a fight. But if you fight the good faith, you can persevere to the end with your faith. So are we ready to do that, church? Are we ready to do that together? Are we excited about that? You're the 11 o'clock. You're supposed to be like already ate your donuts, already breakfast. You're ready to go. All right. So we are ready to fight the good fight. So I was doing some research this week, and I came across this little um, sliver of water in western Washington. Anyone ever traveled to western Washington? I've never been there, but I've heard it's a beautiful place. There's this little sliver of water that's in between two islands, and it's a very intricate, narrow channel. And in the 1700s, an explorer named Joseph Whidbey discovered it, and he named it. And the name that he chose for it was... Deception Pass, okay, Deception Pass. Now, if you look at that beautiful sliver of water, you would think that's kind of a 
That's kind of an intense name, right, for this beautiful uh, you know, landmark out there. But why he named it that is because it's about 500 feet wide, but an incalculable volume of water surges back and forth through that narrow channel. And so because of this, because there's just this amazing, incredible volume of water that goes through there, there's an incredible amount of turbulence that can seize a ship, it can seize the control of a ship without warning. And so Deception Pass in Western Washington has one of the highest rates of shipwrecks in I don't want to say in all the world, but we're going to say in all the world, okay? It has this high, there's so many uh, ships that go into that thinking it's just no big deal. It's this, you know, peaceful little narrow um, sliver of, of water in between these two islands. But countless boats suffer shipwreck because of the miscalculation of this body of water. And so what that got me thinking about was what I read in 1 Timothy 4, chapter 1. And Paul says this. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. And so, similar to Deception Pass, this verse tells us that many will miscalculate what's ahead of them. Many will be going through their journey, maybe faith-filled, maybe even attending church, maybe even reading the Bible here and there, but they are deceived Because turbulence will be ahead, and that will lead to a spiritual shipwreck. Now, the scripture says spiritual shipwrecks will only grow in severity in the days leading to the end times. And that false teaching will increase more and more until Jesus comes. We know that. That's what the word of God says. That many will depart, and many will abandon the truth of the scripture. So what's the source of this deception? What's the source of this turbulence. Well, 1 Timothy 4.1 says, the source will be demonic in nature. So it may appear like men are inventing erroneous teaching or, uh, or they, groups of people are coming out and they're coming up with these things and they're, they're pushing their agenda, but the scripture says it will be supernatural. That what is behind it will be supernatural. That it will be demonic in nature. And these lies are crafted and they're promoted by deceiving spirits. And so just like God speaks truth and uses people to share it, the enemy does the same way. He speaks lies and uses people to share it. And so I don't believe it's going to be, we cannot blame it on any one group of people or any one agenda. We have to see with supernatural eyes that this is actually coming from deception, from the demonic, from the supernatural, and that's what we're fighting. And why it's important for us to see that is because you have to fight with a weapon that's equivalent to the other weapon, right? You can't fight a worldly problem with with a, we can't fight a supernatural problem with a worldly weapon. You have to fight a supernatural problem with a supernatural weapon. And that's what we're equipped with. And that's what this is saying. And so 1 Timothy 4.2 just continues. It says, such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Now, this description is what we would call today a cauterization process. All right? So seared with a hot iron, it's like freezing or burning tissue so that nothing could be felt anymore. So this verse means that those who will spread this false information will have no feeling, no remorse, no guilt, no conviction. They will not care about the effects or what results it causes. Now this explains something to me. Have you ever seen something, watched something, saw something, and thought to yourself, how could, how could they do that without, like, how can they not feel bad? 
You know, how could someone possibly think that that's a good idea or that's hurting people? You know what? They don't feel remorse, guilt, or conviction because they're cauterized, just like the word of God says. Their consciences are seared. And so we cannot talk uh, people out of that because it's not a people problem. It's a spiritual problem. We need to pray that out, okay? That's what we're saying here is the things that we're facing, Paul is telling Timothy, aren't always things that you can just talk and reason someone out of. They are spiritual things that people are then completely, they have no feeling, they have no remorse, they have no guilt, they have no conviction. You can't just talk them out of it anymore. And so we need the supernatural power that the Holy Spirit put inside of us. All right, so today you might be thinking, well, wow, that sounds really awful. Like, I'm so glad that I won't be, you know, in the boat in Deception Pass, right? That's terrible for those people, you know, those the other people, like those other people, because that couldn't possibly happen to me. That couldn't possibly happen to us. Like, we're the ones in church, right? So we're the ones that we've got this worked out. Well, 1 Timothy 4, 6 goes on to say this. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. And so as I was uh, just, you know, praying and looking through this passage, I said to the Lord, I want to be a good minister of Christ Jesus today. What is it that I need to point out to my brothers and sisters? What is that? And, and as, I was, as I was praying and as I was thinking, the Lord really spoke to me about this, that something that I believe that if we don't course correct as the American church, as Erie First Assembly, as churches all across our city and our nation and around the world, if we don't course correct this, we will enter uh, something like deception past and we will spiritually shipwreck. The biggest threat to the church today, I, I do not believe it's humanism or Darwinism or asceticism, the biggest threat, I really believe, is consumerism. It's consumerism. Now, follow me with this. We're a nation of consumers, okay? We're a nation of consumers. I looked up some of the recent stats of how much Americans spend in a given year. Uh, we spend $110 billion on fast food. I mean, most of that is me and Chick-fil-A, but... <laughs> 110, my husband just said that's true from the front row. Uh, $110 billion on fast food, $85 billion on our lawn and our garden, $40 billion on gym memberships and diet plans. Now, I was thinking if this was like equal to the fast food billion dollars, maybe we would like be panning out better, but it's like much less, not a good idea. $31 billion on ice cream. <laughs> we got a shout for that. $23 billion on toys for our kids. $20 billion on cosmetics. And $600 million on teeth whitening products. You know I love that one? Because now you have to wear a mask. No one can even see you smile. Man. Consumers, they zero in on one thing. Consumption. And that means it's all about appetite. It's all about give the people what the people want. If you're in marketing, that's what you want to figure out so that you can give the people what the people want. And we take this attitude of consumption and we look through that lens when it comes to worship and when it comes to church. And all of a sudden, the church becomes just another thing that has to be sold to someone in order to have value. 
And churches, we get stuck in this mentality of give them what they want and they'll come. Give the consumer what they want, give them what they're asking for, and they'll come. And churchgoers have the same demands. Give me what I want. Make it easy. Make it comfortable. Make it fit into my life so I don't have to change anything. And then I'll come. And over and over we see it happen. Uh, uh, as, as churches, we avoid subjects that might be offensive. Like, don't talk about sin and judgment. That doesn't make me feel very good. Don't challenge me to change my lifestyle because I'm just going to get a little frustrated and maybe not come back. Uh, uh, don't, don't uh, make sure you sing the songs I prefer or like, I'm out of there. I mean, I'm just not really interested. We, we have these thoughts. Don't make church too early in the morning, too late in the afternoon. I mean, there's football, there's breakfast. Like, can you just fit it right into that perfect time? 90, 75 minutes, 65 minutes. Just make sure it's that exact time because that, that's like what's best for me. Don't ask me to serve. Don't ask me to do anything inconvenient. I'm not a kid's person. I'm not a greeter person. I'm not a, you know, we have all these things. And we just say, as long as I can just go and I can just consume it, then that works for me. And the result of this consumer mentality is a man-focused ministry instead of a God-focused ministry. And you know what? In Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 through 4, it prophesies that this mindset will happen. I want you to look at it. It says, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear, and they will turn their eyes away from the truth, and they will turn aside to myths. And so the question that I believe we need to answer today, and each of us individually, and us as a church, is this, do we have itching ears like, do we just want to hear the easy stuff? Do we just want to hear the stuff that fits nicely in our context? And do we want to be simply consumers? When the experience isn't catered to me, uh, am I going to grumble? Do we want to just come and consume? Or are we willing to come and be part of something that's a mission and a movement of what God wants to do? And so I want to implore us today to exchange the temptation of itching ears for something far more profitable, something that the scripture also talks about, and that is to exchange our itching ears for burning hearts. Now, this sounds like a bad medical show or something, itching ears, heartburn. That's not, okay, we're talking about metaphorically that we don't have itching ears, but that we have burning hearts. Now, let me explain to you what burning hearts is in the scripture. Uh, in Luke 24, we watch as these two men are heading down a road from Emmaus to Jerusalem, and they're discouraged. I mean, they are just discouraged. They're down. Uh, their hopes are dashed. Uh, Jesus was not the leader that they expected. He died on a cross, and so did their hope. And they thought that Jesus was the Messiah for sure, but the events of the crucifixion threw them off. Uh, Jesus was supposed to overthrow the Romans and set up this new kingdom, uh, but instead they watched as he was nailed to a cross, and they just couldn't figure out what was going on. Now remember, these aren't just random people who are watching. They're his disciples. So they're people Jesus had sat with and told him. They're like, Jesus said, look, this is what's going to happen. Like, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to rise again. But yet, it happens, and the guys are still going, we don't know what We don't know. Like, we just, we just don't understand. And so they're walking down the road. And it says that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, comes along with them and joins them on the road, but they don't recognize him. And I want to read to you in Luke 24, the conversation. 
uh, the disciple says about Jesus of Nazareth, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. And in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, but they didn't find the body. And they came and they told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And I can imagine Jesus is walking along with these guys and they're just like blubbering, you know, like, and this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. And we just don't know what's going on. And Jesus is kind of patiently looking at them, you know, thinking, okay, okay, when it's my time to speak. And then in verse 25, Jesus says to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then it says in the in, uh, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. And so Jesus walks them through and says, look, I told you this already. <laughs> The Old Testament, all the promises, this was all supposed to happen. He, he was going to suffer. But you know what was crazy is that Jesus was saying to them, look, I told you this was going to happen, but you refused to believe it because it didn't fit your itching ears. It's not what you wanted to hear, so you rejected it. It's not what you thought would happen, so you rejected it. And Jesus said, look, I know that this isn't what you wanted to hear, but this is what you need to hear. Because the truth isn't always going to sell magazines or be the popular vote. The truth isn't always going to be the, the reason that people show up. Jesus doesn't sugarcoat anything. He says, look, I told you this was going to happen, but you had itching ears, and so you couldn't even hear me. And then in Jesus' great graciousness and love, in Luke 24, verse 30, we see they're now sitting at a table. He gives, uh, takes bread, gives thanks, breaks it, gives it to them. And then the Lord Jesus allows their eyes to be opened. And they recognize him, and he disappears from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture? And so the disciples were like, we knew it. I knew that there was something about that. I knew it deep down in my heart. I wanted to believe everything God was saying, but I was just so doubtful. And these men had burning hearts. And Jesus is saying, look, that's what we need. The church, we need burning hearts instead of itching ears. We need burning hearts so that the scripture shows us that if we are not going to spiritually shipwreck, then we have to stay with our burning hearts and reject our itching ears. And I just love how, how Jesus shows us that and wants to take us there. And so the question is, how do we get burning hearts instead of itching ears? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I'm about to tell you, okay? How? How do we do it? First Timothy 4, 6, we find our answer. I love how the Lord often poises a problem. Like he shows a, here, this is going to happen to you. He tells us that in the scripture, but let me tell you the, the solutions. Let me give you the plan. I know this is going to happen, but you're not without a plan. God has the plan. In 1 Timothy 4, 6, I read this just a few moments ago. It says, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you'll be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. And so what that tells us is in order to not be spiritually shipwrecked, we must nourish our soul with the truths of the faith. 
We have to nourish our soul with the truths of the faith. So here's how we do that. First, we have to create a hearty appetite for the word of God. Now, this is like uh, what your mom told you 101, right? Don't eat your dessert before dinner. Don't drink your entire milkshake before you try to eat your food, right? You cannot fill up on things. You cannot fill up on empty things and not have any time or energy to eat spiritual food. This is such a simple concept to say, but so hard to enact. Okay, let me give you a really practical way we can say this. This translates spiritually. Read your Bible before you watch TV. Pray and hear God before you scroll through social media. Choose things that build up the truth of God's word instead of war against it. If you're struggling with fear, stop watching all those shows about bad crime things. <laughs> like quit feeding that part of who you are. My friend and local pastor at Grace Church, Derek Sanford, he put this up on his social media a few weeks ago. It was so convicting to me. He said, if during these past five months you've been filling your mind with mainstream media or social media more than the word and ways of God, your discouragement is self-inflicted. But so good. We need to develop a healthy appetite for, for the truths of the faith so that we can be strong and nourished in our soul. All right, second, as we nourish our souls with the truths of faith, we have to remember to chew before we swallow. Okay, here's what I mean by this. The word of God and the truths of God have a far deeper effect when we slow down and we listen to God and we thoughtfully consider the words of scripture, when we really think about what God meant, when we have conversations with people, when we, when we engage in, in conversations with people, what do you think about this? And how, how do you translate that? And okay, and we kind of have this dialogue because skimming is not as helpful as taking one or two verses and meditating on them. It's not about how much scripture you can just gorge and consume. It's about how much you can apply to your life. So maybe just start with two verses. It'd be better to know two verses and be knowing those and moving on those and acting on those than to, un to understand all the knowledge of the rest of it. And so take smaller bites and chew and swallow and get that deep inside of us. Now in keeping kind of with this meal metaphor, uh, you can't just eat on the weekend. Now, I know intermittent fasting is all the rage right now, okay? But it is not for the spiritual at heart. Okay, you can't just come in here, eat this like carbo load of the word of God that I hope I'm sharing with you every week, and then go, and then you're spiritually starving by Tuesday. You have to keep eating the word of God. You have to keep having it inside of you, having a balanced, healthy dose of God's presence to make time for communion with God, just like you make time to eat every day. And thirdly, one of the most important things that we can do to nourish our soul and to guard the truth in our lives is to engage in community that helps us fight the good fight. We need each other. We need each other. We have to engage in community. Our mission is to love, build, and send. And being part of a group is so important to the build portion of this vision. It's one of the vehicles that we use as a church to help you guard your faith, to help you uh, feel supported, to help you feel loved, to help you not spiritually shipwreck. That's the point, is that together when we're having these conversations, we can stay strong. And our hope is everyone would experience biblical community because that's what God designed us to have. That every single person in this faith community would not just be with each other, but we'd be for each other. We would fight the good fight together. We would get there together. 
The scripture is clear. If we're going to make it to the end of our life, still loving and trusting Jesus, it's going to be a fight. But what we will need is perseverance. And perseverance comes through the fellowship of the saints. So we really believe in the power of community at this church. And this is the week that we kind of start talking about uh, different groups that we have. And so I want you to watch this video of an amazing couple from our church who led a small group last season to hear what they have to say about it. We have a small group uh, with Erie First Church. We started that small group uh, last fall and we're really excited about uh, being one of the families selected to do that. It's been a good time getting to know each other, um, learning uh, God's word, and uh, a nice family knit setting. Yeah, like Ken said, I mean, it's really incredible that Erie First allows us to do community together, um, to do life together, and that our small group wasn't just um, for Erie First uh, Assembly members. We actually have folks that um, found out about our small group that don't attend Erie first that wanted to come. And it's pretty incredible that, um, that we're allowed to do that. We have enjoyed growing together. Um, we enjoy Erie first in general, the applicable word that we learn every Sunday, but then to be able to grow throughout the week together, um, we're seeing a growth and uh, it's pretty incredible. Home is like the uh, end all to be all as far as family goes. And for us to have a, a small group in our home um, is very special. Um, we love the fact that we can open our doors, fellowship. And we would you know, really encourage, you know, uh, folks to either, you know, volunteer to lead small group. Um, of course, talk to pastors about that. Um, or if you're not a part of a small group, we encourage people to take advantage of that. Uh, we really get to, you know, learn each other. But again, just growing God's word together makes it all uh, the more special. Uh, it's real fun. It's a lot of fun. So I would definitely encourage anybody if they were looking or thinking about it to definitely join one. I want to encourage you to join a small group. Today is what uh, we call like the launch to our block for small groups for the fall. And as Pastor Nicole just mentioned, community is everything. Community is how we do life together, how we go through the ups and downs and the things that uh, we encounter. And community is how we stay connected and we continue to learn throughout the week as she just preached. So on your way out, if you didn't already, get our Erie First Groups directory, our small group directory. Find, uh, whether it's a Wednesday night class here in the, or not in the sanctuary, but at the building, or there are Zoom options if you're not ready to meet in person, or there are plenty of in-person meetings. So find a group, find your people to go through life with and dig in and learn and continue to grow, okay? That's really what this is all about. We're very fortunate that when all this started six, seven months ago, we had a great infrastructure of small groups and we were able to keep tight-knit and together uh, and continue to pray together, grow together, and learn together. And we want that for you. So if you're not connected yet, get connected. We can always start more groups. We can always get things going, but we have options almost every day of the week, all sorts of times. Like there are lots and lots of choices. So no excuses. Find your way into a small group. You can go to eriefirst.org groups, or you can grab the directory and email us, groups at eriefirst.org. So it's very simple, all right? So let me pray, and then we will dismiss you to have a blessed and awesome day. 
and find your way into a group. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your church and for the privilege and gift that it is to do life together, to grow and to worship you, to know you better uh, with other people. I pray for everyone in this room that they would find a way to get connected, that they would find their way into a group, and that through the next six, eight, ten weeks, through this entire year, that they would continue to grow in you and grow in community with others. We love you and praise you for what you're doing in this church, and we thank you for another awesome Sunday gathering together. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating or a review at Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.